Welcome to the Watershed's June podcast. My name is Mark Cosgrove and I'm the Head of Programme here at Watershed. And this month I'm going to devote the podcast to the recently finished Cannes Film Festival where I was for 10 days soaking up some serious cinema. There's a great moment in Roman Polanski's Chinatown which really explains the whole problem facing Jack Nicholson's private eye, J.J. Gitties. The problem, he realises, beyond comprehension. It's just got more complex than Gitties or we can imagine. This guy has just realised he's out of his depth, and in the end, when the full horror has revealed itself, a cop turns to Nicholson and says, Just leave it, Jake. It's Chinatown. What he's saying is, its own rules apply. Chinatown is a place unto itself. This is the case, I think, with the Cannes Film Festival. A festival which takes you on your very own roller coaster ride of exhilarating cinematic highs and bewildering lows. How come they got a ticket for the Coen Brothers film and I couldn't? Why won't they let me into the screening when everyone else can get in? For ten days you're in a bubble and often it is heard by way of explanation. Just leave it, Mark. It's Cannes. The Cannes Film Festival finished at the end of May and for its 60th year it produced an absolute vintage. At the last count I must have got through about 30 odd films and all were strong in one way or another. If Cannes is a barometer of forthcoming art house cinema then the prospects look damn good from where I stand. The competition this year was peppered with familiar names all of whom delivered the goods. The Coen brothers were back on nail-biting diabolical form with No Country of Old Men. Adapted from a Cormac McCarthy novel, it is a return to blood-simple territory. Gus Van Sant's Paranoid Park is a thought-provoking account of morality in young people through the eyes of a teenage skateboarder. Some of the cinematography, courtesy of Chris Doyle, was sublime. Artist-turned-increasingly-successful filmmaker Julian Schnabel has done a brilliant job of realising on screen the diving bell and the butterfly. Jean-Dominique Bobby was the charismatic editor of French Elle magazine, who suffered a massive stroke, leaving him paralysed and only able to communicate by blinking one eye, through which he quite extraordinarily wrote this account of his experience. I wondered how on earth this was going to work on screen, and Schnabel pulled it off wonderfully. When the film finished, the sound of unrestrained sobbing could be heard around the auditorium. More on the margins, and that's the great thing about Cannes competition, is that it puts those films centre stage, which is so often marginalised by the mainstream, was Russian director Alexander Sakurov's Alexandra. Now, I'm a big fan of Sakurov, and I enjoyed the rich visual and oral texture he creates, and the subject matter he's dealing with, very topical, which was relationships between Chechnya and Russia. But cinematically, I didn't feel he pulled it off as successfully as his more allegorical films like Mother and Son. However, after the 8.30 in the morning screening, I bump into film critic Mark Cousins, who hails it as a masterpiece. It's can after all. It's one of the adrenaline rushes of the festival, seeing films fresh before any critical opinion has been formed into any semblance of consciousness. You're seeing these films pure, as it were, and critical opinion can range from that was awful to that was a masterpiece. The Buzz in the Quasette is about a Romanian film showing in competition. I make a point to see it at market screening in one of the smaller auditoriums. 
I arrive early as when the buzz kicks in and can, you know the buyers will be circling. And so it passes that whilst I might be at the front of the queue, buyers are let in first ahead of me and I have a few anxious moments wondering if I'll get in. At this stage, Bill Shankly's famous quote about football passes through my mind. Some people think football is a matter of life and death. Well, I can reassure them it is more important than that, he said. And in Cannes, this aptly applies to film. The Romanian film, four months, three weeks, two days, is indeed a compelling, uncompromising film about a young woman and her friend who plan an abortion during the oppressive communist era. It's terrifying in a horror film kind of way, but completely unstaged and matter-of-fact. It's a moral film, but importantly not moralistic. It stays with you, and deservedly won the Palme d'Or. It was definitely a wide-open field in the best sense for the Palme d'Or. The cones were hotly tipped, as was Schnabel, as was four weeks, three months, two days. For me, though, the outstanding film in competition was Ulrich Siedl's Import-Export, a tough and again uncompromising view of migrant life in Northern Europe and the flow of lives necessitated by economic need between Ukraine and Austria. The director works in extremis, shooting in minus 30 in the Ukraine, shooting in geriatric wards and working with untrained actors. The effect is deeply powerful and socially aware filmmaking. It's going to be a tough sell, but in the way that Kieslowski's short film about killing was a tough but rewarding sell. For what it is worth, I would have given it the top prize. A last thought on the main competition should go to Persepolis, a French-produced Iranian animation. It is based on graphic novels of the same name and set in Tehran in 1978, tells the story of an eight-year-old girl who dreams of being a future prophet. Nothing like a bit of subversive animation. In other sections of the festival, Swedish director Roy Anderson's You the Living was an absolute joy. Poignant, heartfelt and with razor-sharp comic timing, laugh-out-loud funny. You might have seen his earlier feature, the sublimely surreal Songs from the Second Floor. This new one follows in that vein, but with a more profound sense of optimistic pessimism. Photographer Anton Corbin, who made his name with celebrated covers for New Musical Express in the 80s, has made his first feature, Control, about the Joy Division lead singer Ian Curtis. Corbin captures the era, Manchester stroke Macclesfield in the late 70s, early 80s. This is music, pre-pop idol, pre-internet, pre-mobile phone. First time actor Sam Riley is unnerving in his performance and the hairs rise in the back of the necks when he recreates the poetic, tragic power of Curtis's live performances. Irish film Garage is a sharply written and performed drama about small town Ireland and the kind of characters you know populate them. The main character is Josie, a harmless misfit who becomes the focus for an unwitting tragedy. There is a subtle tinge of Beckett in the exchanges. This is the kind of cinema which is steeped in its own country's identity, yet transcends national boundaries. A personal highlight for me was seeing Martin Scorsese give a lesson in cinema. Talking with animated passion, he describes such people as Jimmy Cagney, Cassavetes, Rossellini, Truffaut, Goddard and a host of others as influences. There's a great moment when he describes shooting the scene in Goodfellas where Joe Pesci says to Ray Liotta, What's so funny? And Scorsese explains why a medium shot creates more tension than a close-up. Even Quentin Tarantino had to sit at the feet of the master. And so, one evening after a hard day at the cinema, 
and a late evening meal with colleagues, we walk past the red carpet which is surrounded by thousands of people. What is happening, we wonder? What's the drum kit and the guitar doing at the top of the red carpet? When suddenly you two are introduced. Bono leaps up the stairs saying how you all doing there can and then launches into a live performance at the top of the stairs to the Palais Cinema. What is happening? Just leave it Mark, it's can. <laughs>